chapter four of dr quintard chaplain c s a and second bishop of tennessee by charles todd quintard this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four personal narrative norfolk at norfolk i had the pleasure of intercourse with such friends as john tatnall son of commander tatnall benjamin loyal and lieutenant walter butt of the ironclad virginia with the clergy of the city and with many charming families how can i ever forget the old-time virginia hospitality that was meted out to me the enthusiastic reception i had from all kinds and conditions of men how well i remember mr taswell taylor he was well up in genealogy and not only knew all the old families of virginia but the principal families of the whole south it was quite delightful to hear him in the midst of war's alarums talk over old times and old folks those days before the war were all so different from what we have known since no one born since the war can write intelligently of the blessed old days in the south but if any one would read a true account of the trials and woes of a southern household during the dreadful war time let him read the diary of a southern refugee during the war written by mrs judith w mcguire for the members of her family who were too young to remember those days mrs mcguire's book is a wonderful record of hope joys sorrows and trials and of the way in which amid it all the faithful women of the south cheered the hearts of the heroes in the field one sunday in march i preached a sermon at st paul's church old st paul's built in seventeen thirty nine exhorting the people to the work before them reminding them that in the conflict in which we were engaged not only the rights of our people and the glory of our nation but the church of god was imperiled it was my old war sermon rearranged for virginia at the solicitation of clergy and people formally presented i repeated it several times in norfolk on ash wednesday i preached again in st paul's to a fine congregation and was requested to repeat my sermon which was on the good samaritan the following sunday in the same church and subsequently in christ church i met many persons of distinction in the city general huger who was in command in norfolk called upon me general howell cobb was there as commissioner on the part of the confederate government to arrange with general wood on the part of the united states about the exchange of prisoners in the latter part of february i became interested in the transformation by which the merrimac became the virginia of the confederate navy one day i slipped off from my patient general loring while he was sleeping and went to portsmouth to visit the wonderful craft the part that appeared above water suggested to me a book opened at an angle of forty-five degrees and the four edges of its cover placed on a table at the bow was a sharp projection by which it was expected to pierce the side of any ship it might run against all the machinery was below water the roof was about thirty-eight inches in thickness of timber very heavily plated with iron the fore and aft guns were the heaviest carrying shot and shell eighty-five and ninety pounds in weight the others were very heavy also and magnificent of their kind she carried ten guns in all her new steel-pointed and wrought-iron shot were destined to do some terrific work 
she was likely to escape injury unless struck below the waterline and there was not much danger of that occurring as she was in a measure protected below that line also she drew rather too much water as lieutenant spotswood told me at the time of my visit while i was at norfolk the great battle between the virginia and the monitor and ships of war congress and cumberland took place i witnessed the destruction of the congress and the cumberland the first day's fight was on the eighth of march by special invitation the rev j h d wingfield who afterwards became bishop of northern california celebrated the blessed sacrament in his church trinity church portsmouth for the officers of the virginia before they went into battle when the virginia cast off her moorings at norfolk navy yard and steamed down the river the congress and the cumberland frigates had been lying for some time off newport news officers and men on the virginia were taking things quietly as if they were really on an ordinary trial trip as they drew near the congress captain buchanan the commander of the virginia made a brief and stirring appeal to his crew which was answered by cheers he then took his place by the side of the pilot near the wheel my friend lieutenant j r eggleston commanded the nine-inch broadside guns next abaft the engine-room hatch and he was ordered to serve one of them with hot shot suddenly he saw a great ship near at hand bearing down upon the virginia in a moment twenty-five solid shot and shell struck the sloping side of the virginia and glanced high into the air many of the shells exploding in their upward flight in reply to this broadside from the congress one red-hot shot and three nine-inch shells were hurled into her and the virginia steamed on without pausing suddenly there was a jar as if the vessel had run aground there was a cheering forward and lieutenant eggleston passed aft waving his hat and crying we have sunk the cumberland she had been struck about midship by the prow of the virginia and in sinking tore the prow from the bow of her assailant and carried it down with her the virginia then moved some distance up the river in order to turn about in the narrow channel as soon as the congress saw her terrible foe coming down upon her she tried to escape under sail but ran aground in the effort the virginia took position under her stern and a few raking shots brought down her flag captain porcher in command of the confederate ship beaufort made an effort to take the officers and wounded men of the congress prisoners two officers came on board the beaufort and surrendered the congress captain porcher asked them to get the officers and wounded men aboard his vessel as quickly as possible as he had been ordered to burn the congress he was begged not to do so as there were sixty wounded men on board the congress but his orders were peremptory while he was making every effort to move the wounded a tremendous fire was opened on the beaufort from the shore the federal officers begged him to hoist a white flag lest all the wounded men should be killed the fact that the federals were firing on a white flag flying from the mainmast of the congress was brought to the attention of the federal officers who claimed however that they were powerless to stop the fire as it proceeded from a lot of volunteers who were not under the control of the officers on board the beaufort the fire continuing captain porcher returned it but with little effect he estimated the loss in the federal fleet in killed drowned wounded and missing of nearly four hundred men 
the total loss of the confederates did not exceed sixty captain buchanan and his flag lieutenant were wounded and taken to the naval hospital at norfolk catesby jones succeeded to the command of the virginia about an hour before midnight the fire reached the magazine of the congress and she blew up the next day the virginia steamed out towards the minnesota when the monitor made her appearance the latter came gallantly forward and then began the first battle ever fought between ironclads it continued several hours neither vessel so far as could be ascertained at the time inflicting by her fire any very serious damage on the other the virginia then got ready to try what ramming would do for the monitor what it did was to silence the latter forever in the presence of the virginia unfortunately just before the virginia struck the monitor the former stopped her engine under the belief that the momentum of the ship would prove sufficient for the work had the virginia kept on at full speed she would undoubtedly have run the monitor under as it was the latter got such a shaking up that she sought safety in shoal water whither she knew the virginia could not follow her it should be remembered that the virginia drew twenty-two feet of water and was very hard to manage whereas the monitor was readily managed and drew but ten feet of water the following day the rev mr wingfield was called upon to offer up prayers and thanksgiving for the victory on board the gallant ship it was a solemn most impressive and affecting scene as those valiant men of war fell upon their knees on the deck and bowed their heads in reverence and godly fear the weather-beaten faces of many of the brave seamen were observed to be bathed in tears and trembling with emotion under the influence of that memorable service after this commodore tatnall was placed in command of the virginia and on the morning of the eleventh of april the virginia went down hampton roads with the design of engaging the enemy to the fullest extent i received a concise cipher telegram splinters was all it said from my dear friend john tatnall son of the commodore and i at once set out to see what was going on with general loring who was by that time fully recovered from his illness and quite a party of friends and officers i went down the bay in a cockle-shell of a steamer to witness the engagement in order to provoke the enemy commodore tatnall ordered two of his gunboats to run into the transport anchorage and cut out such of the vessels as were lying nearest the virginia this was successfully done within sight of and almost within gunshot of the monitor but she could not be drawn into an engagement although the enemy refused to fight the monitor threw a number of shells several of which passed over our little steamer we deemed it therefore good military and naval tactics to withdraw and let the contestants attend to their own business End of chapter four